Hello, and welcome back to Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. This episode will be one of our Resurrection Supplemental episodes, which I put out either when I'm getting behind in doing the regular episodes, or just don't have any other idea of what to do. In these supplemental episodes, we cover other characters who are important to the Thanos Adam Warlock stories. Starting with the oldest of these characters, Death. And this time, we are covering the fifth appearance of Death in a Marvel, well, still timely at the time, comic. From Mystic Comics number 8, cover dated March 1942. And like I said, this is the fifth appearance of Death in Marvel. For the previous appearances, go check out episodes 66, 76, 93, and 102. And if you want, also episode 70, where I accidentally jumped ahead and covered the seventh appearance of Death from Strange Tales number 3 in 1951. Now, before we start talking about the story, let's talk about who is the Black Marvel? The Black Marvel is Dan Lyons. Years before, his father James had his life saved by Mantu, who was the chief of one of the Blackfoot tribes. Dan went to meet up with Mantu to see if he could repay the debt to his father. He showed up at a point when Mantu was dying and holding a competition to determine his successor. And at that point, all the others who were trying had failed. So Dan was allowed to try, because I guess why not? He had to outrun a deer, swim upstream faster than a salmon, and make four archery bullseyes while blindfolded. And he passed. He even caught arrows in midair that were fired at him, and the final test was to fight and kill a bear with just his hands. And he did that too. And instead of making him the chief, which was the point of the competition, they gave him the Black Marvel costume along with the responsibility to right wrongs and destroy those who would prey on the helpless. They also gave him a longbow, telling him to notch it every time he performed a good deed. Only when he had 100 notches would he be truly worthy of calling himself the Black Marvel. Just a note, because I have not read other Black Marvel stories, I don't know if that's something that was used just in the origin story or scattered through other stories perhaps, but that does not appear in this issue at all, so forget that. But this whole thing is weird, right? I mean, it would make sense if one of the tribe had won, or at least one part of the contest, because I assume they would know this is a known possibility, so they would start training for it if they want to be the chief. But what the hell was this Dan Lyons doing with his life that made him able to do all that? I mean, since the competition was to be chief, not to get a costume, and they gave the costume, I wonder if that was them maybe talking to each other going, Let's give this guy a costume and send him on his way, because he's kind of nuts, and if he's going to go crazy, let's let him go nuts out there. It does, of course, have a bit of the white savior trope, where he comes into the tribe and he's the bestest out of all of them, and able to do all their stuff better than them. But at the very least, the tribe is smart enough to send him away. It's like, you, yeah, you won, that's great, get the hell out of here. <laughs> anyway, the Black Marvel first appeared in Mystic Comics number 5, and he appeared in each issue until 9. <laughs> as well as having a story in all Winners Comics number one. So, not a lot of appearances. He was created by artist Al Gabriel and an unknown writer. Gabriel is also known for co-creating the original Miss America and possibly the Wizard. Now, for such a minor character, the Black Marvel did pretty well for himself later on. In the 90s, he appeared in the five-part story Six Forgotten Warriors in the Spider-Man animated series.
by Paul Winfield. And later on in the comics, he would go on to appear in the Spider-Man spin-off series Slingers as our mentor. And he died at the end of the series. All right, enough of the Black Marvel. Let's talk about the creators on this story. Now, the writer is unknown, but the artist is George Klein. So early in the Golden Age, he worked for Timely on such titles as All Winners Comics, Captain America Comics, USA Comics, and Young Allies Comics. And, of course, Mystic Comics. He was drafted in 1943 and was honorably discharged in 1946 after serving as a private in the Army Infantry. And he went back to working as an artist in comics and magazines. He was a regular contributor to Wyoming Wildlife, and thanks to his work there and in a few other places, he gained some renown as a wildlife and landscape artist. He also went back to working for Timely, or Atlas at that point. In fact, it's presumed that he was the uncredited inker for Jack Kirby on Fantastic Four number one and two. So that's cool. He also did work for DC and in the mid-50s was paired up as an inker for Kurt Swan on some of the various Superman titles. And although he died in 1969, Klein continued to work for both Marvel and DC throughout the 60s until his death. And his work appears in many of the significant books of the Silver Age, including the first appearance of the Fatal Five in Adventure Comics and the first appearance of the Vision in Avengers. Unfortunately, I was able to find out a lot less information on the inker, Howard James. All I could see was that he was an inker on stories in Mystic Comics 8, 9, and 10, All Winners Comics 4 and 5, USA Comics number 4, and Submariner Comics number 3, working on The Angel, The Wizard, and The Black Marvel mostly. I'm wondering if maybe this was a pen name for another artist. So if anyone out there has any information about Howard James or maybe who he really was, please let me know. From Mystic Comics number 8, The Black Marvel in... The Largest Diamond in the World. Pencils by George Klein. Inker, Howard James. Cover art, Al Gabriel. All of the creators are unknown. Cover dated March 1942. On sale date December 28, 1941. Cover price, 10 cents. Deep in the bowels of the earth, it lay. The largest diamond in the world. Who could dare dream the curse of health was upon it? or that it was destined to lead the Black Marvel to a hideous adventure. Our story opens in the Chisholm Diamond Mine in South Africa. One of the miners working there uncovers what might be the biggest diamond in the whole world. He goes to take it out, but drops dead as soon as he touches it. A few of the others gather around to see what had happened, and when one of the others touch it, he dies too. Then, someone else appears in the mine. He introduces himself as Buka, a witch doctor. He tells the miners that Volcan, the earth core god, had placed the mine under a curse. This freaks out the miners and they all run out. Buka then goes out to speak to all the native workers and convinces them that it was taboo to work at the mine. The foreman tries to speak to them, but they refuse to go back to work. The owner then tries to talk to them, but they still refuse. With no one working, that night the grounds are deserted except for a lone guard. A gangster and his three men drive up. They had heard about the giant diamond and with no one there, decide to steal it. Knocking out the guard, they sneak into the mine. But as soon as one of them touches the diamond, the grim shadow of death comes up from behind, and he falls dead. The other mobsters are still determined to get the diamond, but then the Black Marvel appears. He makes short work of the gangsters, but is himself felled by a drug dart from a blowgun used by some tribesmen. He is carried out of the mine and brought to the Mari village, and the Mari are cannibals. After some pre-dinner ceremony, 
the black marble is carried out and tossed into a big pot full of hot water. The heat apparently caused the drug to wear off, and he wakes up. He leaps out, beats up most of the village, and runs off, although he's not sure which way to run. A few of them catch up to him and attack him with a spear, but he takes them out as well, keeping the spear. Which is good for him, because then three lines attack. He's able to dodge them all until they are next to each other, and he throws his spear through all three, killing them. Back at the mine, with things going as bad as they are, there is talk of selling it to a Ridley, but he's not sure he wants a mine with a cursed diamond. Mr. Chisholm is able to convince him by selling it cheap, but just before they sign, the Black Marvel shows back up. Ridley pulls out a gun, but then Marvel takes him out. Taking Mr. Chisholm out to the mine to see the diamond, the two are confronted by Volcan, the Earth Core God. However, he is no match for the Black Marvel. While this fight is happening, Ridley is woken up and followed them. Before Volcan can be unmasked, he fingers Ridley as the one who put him up to the ruse, and is then shot to death by Ridley. The Black Marvel knocks Ridley out again. Volcan turns out to be the witch doctor from earlier. It turns out that Ridley is the second biggest mine owner in the country, and hired the witch doctor to scare everyone away. When the Marvel started to investigate, he was kidnapped. Also, the diamond is not cursed, or a diamond. It was a regular rock, covered with a poisonous substance which made it gleam like a diamond, and killed instantly when touched. Before Mr. Chisholm can properly thank him, the Black Marble is gone, for seeing justice carried out is all the reward he needs. It was 1938. The country continues its slow recovery from the Great Depression, while war clouds loom throughout Asia and German aggression builds in Europe. Americans seek comfort and distraction. It was a time when the most popular form of entertainment was radio. But a new form had been growing steadily and was set to explode. It was to become the golden age of the American comic book. My name is Chris. And my name is Mike. Please join us as we explore comics in the golden age between 1938 and 1955. All genres will be discussed, from superheroes to crime, horror, science fiction, humor, and western. So join us for the Comics in the Golden Age podcast, available through iTunes and Stitcher, and visit us on Facebook or at comicsinthegoldenage.com. Okay, let's talk about this story a bit. So first of all, let's just say this right off the bat. Is this story kind of racist? Yeah, it, I'd say it's pretty racist. A lot of racist stuff going in here. It's not completely over the top. Um, and the reason why I'll say is this. Some of the picture, uh, some of the pictures of the Africans here are a little off, but so it's like that for a lot of people on this story too. The artist style is a bit cartoony when it comes to the faces of people. So it doesn't seem to be reserved just for them. If it was reserved just for the Africans, I would say, yeah, really racist. But it's not, so it's just pretty racist, which is not great anyway. So going through the story, we get to page three, where we have the witch doctor saying that he is bringing a warning from the god Volcan, spelled V-O-O-L hyphen K-A-N. Yeah, that's a made-up thing. I can't find any reference to a god named Volcan. The closest is the Roman god Vulcan, which might be the inspiration for that instead. And speaking of the witch doctor, so this story kind of goes all over. I mean, 
First we have the diamond that kills people, then the witch doctor shows up, then gangsters show up, then Black Marvel just shows up out of nowhere, and then he's kidnapped, and apparently as we find at the end, that was planned. When he just showed up, we had no clue, but they planned that. It kind of feels like they were just making this up as they went along on each page. Like, what can we do now? I don't know. Um, let's have him kidnapped. On page five, panel four, is where we have our death appearance. I don't know why they chose to put it here as opposed to any other places. Honestly, it would have made much more sense to have the shadow of death showing up for the first time that the diamond kills anybody. Or the last one. In the middle, kind of just doesn't... It's just like, throw it in there to throw it in there. But still, gives us a reason to talk about this story. Alright, so after that, he gets kidnapped by the natives and brought to the Mari tribe. I was trying to look it up to see if that's real. There is no Mari tribe I can find a reference to in Africa. There are Mari people, but in Russia. And I didn't find anything about them being cannibals. Of course, the tribe's cannibals. Uh, it's 1940. I'm assuming everyone there probably just assumed every tribe in Africa was cannibals because... General 1940s racism. <laughs> the fact that they, have no, they don't know any better. Now, one thing I did like is when the Black Marvel escaped... Because he was brought there unconscious, he didn't automatically know which way to go. He just ran out, hoping he can figure out where he has to go. So that was a nice little touch. I will give them credit for that. The unnamed writer, I will give them that credit. And then we're back at the mine, and they're sounded already. I mean, it feels like this story takes place over 12 hours. And so much is like two weeks worth has happened. It's crazy. And then, of course, you have that final question of, how the hell did the Black Marvel get to Africa when it when I was looking up the information about him? He was based in like the Northeast and California. So what he's doing in Africa, I don't know. Some of the artwork is kind of fun with the cartoonish. I mean, I'll give give him that at least. There's a, a panel on page eight with him running away, and it's kind of very almost like a Bugs Bunny-esque kind of woo, I'm out. And that's amusing. I will say in this uh, Compared to some other Golden Age Marvel stories I've read, it's not hard to follow the story, at least. I'll give them credit for that, definitely. Storytelling is better than some other ones. I mean, there have been plenty where I couldn't figure out what order the panels were supposed to be in. This one, at least, is pretty apparent. So we're going to give them credit for that. But otherwise, not a great story. I mean, some of the Golden Age Marvel stuff is fun. Reading some of them, you can tell why their characters really didn't do very well past the Golden Age, well, as opposed to Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, they kept on going, kept being published. Even though they tried bringing back Cap, Namor, and the Human Torch in the 50s, there is no long continuity of them existing throughout that time. Overall, yeah, don't go looking for this. Don't worry about it if you haven't read this. Unless you're some kind of completist, you could ignore this. The fact that it's not reprinted anywhere is not surprising. We're almost at the end of the episode, but first let's cover our feedback. And this time we are talking about feedback from episode 121, in which Brian and I covered Infinity Entity number three. On Facebook, the post about that episode got likes and shares from Clinton Robinson, Rick Heineken, Jason Venable, Coffee and Comics, Pat Sampson, Gene Hendricks, Bill Baer, Chris Armstrong, Jesse Starcher, and Hal Jordan. On Twitter, we got likes and retweets from Daniel Cosmic, Nexus of All Realities, Viet Huyn Toys and Sometimes Jokes, Adeline Rising Podcast, Last Sons of Krypton, Connor McKenna, Into the Night, 
Capes and Lunatics, David Finn, Jason Snick Venable, MX S.E. Fleenor, but spookier, Jeffrey Brown, Chris Lydon, Lombox of Darkness, Doc Strange, Tomb Priest, the pod crashing, Cable Guide Total Landscaping, Bob Moriarty, Sarah Sentry, The Legion of Substitute Podcasters, Steve Sellers, Demora, We Are Venomaniacs Podcast, Bitches on Comics and DecodedPride.com, Screamcast Scream, Hashtag Revive Scream, I think they're a fan of the Marvel character Scream, and Brian Z probably disagrees with you. So if you want to have your name said, or if you want to send us a message, well, you can like and share our episodes on Facebook. Just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box on Facebook and we'll pop up. On Twitter, we're at Adam Thanos Pod. Go follow us on there. Talk to us on there. We'll talk about comics, even non-Adam Thanos comics, even non-Marvel. Whatever. Go to our Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. And of course, you can send us an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. Now, don't forget, there's also a few other places to find me if you want to. I am a regular on the L-E-G-I-O-N P-O-D cast, in which we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC sci-fi series, Legion. Not Legion of Superheroes, this is the acronym one. And we had two episodes of that come out since the last time you heard me here, episodes 24 and 25. You can find that over on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed. And of course, there's also a new show I'm on. We've only done one episode so far, we had a little bit of a timing problem, on the feed for Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, Chris has started up a new show called Learn Me the Legion, in which the two of us talk about Legion superheroes. Links for all that will be in the show notes. Hey, Ray. Yes, Connor? What's black and white and red all over? Huh. A newspaper? Not even close. Hmm. A sunburnt zebra? What are you doing, Ray? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. A weekly podcast coming to you from the High Priest of Khonshu. Available on all good podcast catchers. That's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed uh, another look at Marvel's Golden Age death. Well, such as it is. I'll be back next time with... Well, honestly, I'm not sure yet, but I'm sure it'll be something. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.
type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box in Thanos, and you'll. It turns out that Ridley is the second biggest. Di- it turns out that Ridley is the second biggest. Yeah, I can't speak. 